Welcome back to the Rehumanized Podcast. We are back after a little break for the holidays. You know, the whole holiday season from <laughs> holiday uh, between from it's Mexico. November. So really, it starts at the uh, day of the Immaculate Conception, December eighth through. Um, uh, it was just a Candlemas not too long ago. So. Is that in February? Yeah. Okay. So okay, we're fine then. Um, we were off for the holidays. Um, we actually just both got too busy <laughs> um, yeah. and didn't end up uh, having time to record. But we are back now, and we're gonna we're, we're gonna get episodes out. So there will be episodes um, coming out in the next couple weeks, including this one that you're listening to now. So welcome back, everyone. Um, what are we doing today? Who's who's coming on? We have got two great guests from Rehumanized DMV. DC, Maryland, Virginia, the yes. trifecta. It, it's hard. I I suggested calling themselves Capital Area when they were, um, when they were founding because that's a, a another group that I was in called themselves when it was like every state had their own thing except DC, Maryland, and Virginia. And it was like it's the lines are not clear enough. It's all it's all the same state essentially. The bi-state and federal territory. <laughs> Area. Try entity area. Try government area. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, we're having on Savannah and Ryan from Rehumanize DMV, who, as we'll talk about, are um, the first American chapter of Rehumanize International. Um, and we also, somewhere in this episode, probably right after this, um, we're going to play a clip um, that is just an, an introduction and just a hello from um, some other members of Rehumanized DMV to make it clear that it is not just Ryan and Savannah. They are representing a larger contingent, and there's even more people who uh, didn't make it into the the hello video um, that Maria will play um, some at some point in this podcast. Uh, so yeah, we, we're going to have them on. We're going to talk a little bit about what it was like for them to start Rehumanized DMV, the first Rehumanized chapter, um, that was super active in the past year. Um, and yeah, we're also, I'm going to be totally clear. My, my, uh, intentions here are to inspire every listener to, uh, start their own chapter, um, so if, if you have any interest in getting involved with Rehumanize International and consistent life ethic activism on the local level in your community where you are, this is going to be the perfect episode for you to listen to, um, to hopefully be inspired to, to take this, these ideas that we talk about on the podcast and you know elsewhere and put them into practice and go do the work on your own in your own communities. I'm excited to have kind of, yeah, like a, an activism workshop type uh, deal, uh, get some tips and tricks and see uh, how how to reproduce a success story in your own chapter, which you yeah. will be forming now that you know yes, how to you do will it. Be. Um, and literally you, listener. Be, you, Emiliano, I want you to help me form a chapter down in Mexico. We can, yeah, we can do uh, Rehumanize Valley of Mexico. Yeah. Yeah, that was the thing. I've been I've been like mulling this around because I know a couple people in Mexico um, who are like fans of us and who you know inter- I interact with on social media at least um, and are active in consistent life ethic circles down in Mexico. Um, and I've been sort of thinking about 
actually this year working to actually start a chapter somewhere in Mexico. Um, but I just, in my head, I just keep calling it Rehumanize Mexico because I know so many people in the country are like totally spread out and not near each other. And I'm like, I don't know if we have enough yet to have, <laughs> have, uh, more concentrated areas. So. I, you know what? I think Latin America is in a perfect position to um, have an organized, uh, consistent life ethic movement. Yeah, it's. I always. I live in the United States, and so I obviously get like hyper focused on what the like political paradigm is here. Um, and it's always nice when I like look outside of that and actually look at like you know, the abortion debate TM in other countries and how it's totally different, how like, you know, there are like pro-life socialists who actually win elections in other countries. Um, and at the same time, the fact that like even conservatives in places in the UK are like essentially pro-abortion. Um, so it's, it's interesting to see that we don't necessarily, um, the, the United, the current politics and the political divide in the United States is not necessarily like, the be it all end all of what politics can look like. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be this way. Um, and seeing places that are not, uh, not here actually live out the reality, um, the, of the sort of less polarized or just totally differently polarized, um, abortion debate is always super fascinating to me because I definitely have my like America tunnel vision. I forget that other countries exist type of mindset because I don't consume diverse enough media. (laughs) Well, this week on the rehumanized podcast this month, we will be listening to the first American. Yeah. So this one's super America focused. Um, as always, because they're even they're even worse than just American. They're like in DC, where all the problems from America are emanating, and they're in the belly of the beast, and they're there to they're there to work, do the work necessary. Okay, hello. We are here on with Savannah and Ryan Ackerman. They are two of the co-leaders of Rehumanize DMV, our first American chapter of Rehumanize International. We are excited to have them on the pod. That's really cool you, that uh, we've got our first, uh, our first chapter wasn't our first American chapter. We're truly international. We are. So it... Mm, it's a little controversial which the first chapter was because technically the first chapter that like reached out and got started was Rehumanize Toronto um, but they didn't have their first event for like months after that and Ryan and Savannah got Rehumanize DMV started like a week after Toronto but then immediately started having events um, so um, it depends who you ask you I, I wouldn't I, I wouldn't correct someone if they said DMV. Was I think chapter. saying that we're the first American chapter is the most political way to. Yeah. But I think yeah. to clarify that I do not lead the American chapter of Rehumanize, <laughs> nor am I the president of American Rehumanize, as that has been confused a few oh, times. True. Yeah, that is a little confusing. Yeah, you guys are the leaders within Rehumanize DMV. Um, I also, I'm the leader of, like, regular Rehumanize International. <laughs> um, 
and that just happens to be based in the United States. So I could see why that'd be confusing. Well, I, I kind of interrupted. So uh, do you guys want to introduce yourself and uh, what you do with Rehumanized DMV? Yeah, sure. Um, so I got into involved in the consistent life ethic movement kind of um, long, long time ago. Probably I think 2010 is when I met Kyle and Amy Murphy, uh, who are lovely people. Um, Kyle was my RD in college, and they were dating, and they were like two awesome people who I kept in contact with for the rest of my life. And because of their involvement, and then my involvement with like social justice stuff back in my hometown, uh, I moved to Pittsburgh for a little bit and got more involved with Rehumanized up in Pittsburgh, and then moved back, got married, and my wife is a social justice hero. And she got, quickly got involved, and uh, uh, she she really is the one who who started Rehumanized DMV. I've kind of been mostly support, um, vocal, and active support, but uh, she's she's the real hero here. Which two points on that? One is before I forget, I want to give a huge shout out to the dads of Rehumanized DMV <laughs> because. A lot of our discussions and like in-person events and everything could not have happened without uh, the men being willing to watch the kids and kind of sacrifice family time. So they're super valued um, and so appreciated. Uh, I introduced myself. What about you? Yeah, I don't know. Um, We just did it, I think. It's really funny, like looking back over this past year. Because way before the chapters were even announced, Ryan was like, oh, we should convince them to let us do a DC chapter. And then that's just what we'll do full time. And that's like the rest of our life right there. And I was like, well, that's super impractical. And like, yeah, that's not going to happen. And then um, a little while later, the announcement went out that you guys were starting chapters. And I reached out to her at like 9 a.m. the next morning and was like, hey, I assume that you have people already in mind for the D.C. chapter. However, like, yeah, just connect me, get me involved. Um, And always in the back of my mind, kind of like, I will lead this thing. But yeah, I figured there was just bigger fish in that pond. um, And there were not. (laughs) So after like several months of kicking it around and talking to quite a few different people, who were all like, yeah, this is awesome. And I'll commit at some later point down the line, but not right now. Um, Ryan and I were finally just like, all right, we're doing this. We're getting on the meeting. We're signing the paperwork. And we signed the paperwork a week after Rehumanized Toronto. So whatever. (laughs) (laughs) was still very impressive speed, Um, particularly in your your speed at, uh, at actually holding events. Um, because at the time, right when you started, you were like nine months pregnant. <laughs> like you were like, maybe not nine months, but I feel like you were like, oh, by the way, I'm I'm starting. She was far thing. enough along that it wasn't offensive that you said nine months. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I grossly underestimated. I was like, I'll do this with two kids. It's no problem. It's not going to affect me. Um, and yeah, even with like thinking about the year now, I definitely feel like it's a year, but when we hit like the actual year point, I was like, it really isn't. Cause we've just kind of start 
start it picking up momentum again. Um, and I'm sure that's something we'll mention throughout, but like finally after kind of a year of me putting all of the energy and the time into it and being like, please care about this. And Ryan, uh, just helping to keep that going. Um, we finally have people like stepping up and just being really invested and really passionate. Um, yeah. And, and it, it honestly has been like, it's been uh, a literal grassroots movement, like where it started where Savannah and I just went to a couple protests. Um, and, and then at one of them at the Maryland March for Life, um, this couple, this young couple was walking by. Not even at the Maryland March for Life, for the record. They were just chilling out. Yeah, they were just like like walking around Annapolis having a good time. And they were walking by and they saw some of our, our rehumanized swag and kind of posters that we had made. And they were like, oh, we really dig this. And we started talking and then that kind of became our first new member. And then we invited our friends and then she had friends and then it grew from that and like we haven't had to do much. Like we do, we we stay active in social media and stuff like that to to you know stay present and stuff. But we haven't had to do that much like advertising, like come join us because it really has been people telling people, people getting involved. Um, I I disagree on that fact. It's been a lot of me being like, hey, we should get coffee. That's what I'm saying. That's <laughs> grass. That's grassroots. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like like, like yeah, but it's not like people's coming. Stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. So it is, which at some point, I guess we're going to share the stories of rehumanized DMV, which I'm really excited about. But that is one of the, the only edit that I will make in those is Jordan says that I handed her literature and that is not true. I was standing there feeling su- super awkward and was like, Ryan, I handed her literature. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was like, Ryan, go talk to those people. Um, Cause Ryan is definitely the much more like social butterfly asked and that that's really important with this chapter of grassroots stuff right is everybody has different talents and different different things to give and i have a resting face that scares people and so therefore (laughs) no ryan and that's that's it would like when you're when you're like fundamental like ethic is something so inclusive you there's a way that you can think about where anybody who wants to get involved has something that they can give and something positive to contribute and um, it's been, yeah, it's been really cool. But yeah, looking back to the whole year thing, um, what I was going to say, especially being pregnant, right? Like we had our daughter, yeah, like maybe one and a half months, two months after we like started and it was hard for me. And Amy uh, Murphy actually stayed with us for like the week after my daughter was born, which is good because she talked me out of doing in-person person events like two weeks postpartum, which would have been a bad idea. Um, and that was a big, like handing on the keys for me because I sent people to go and do the event in my absence. Um, yeah. And that, uh, they got super activated from that. They came back and like took all sorts of buttons and lanyards and things. And they told me they were like, Savannah, we would do this every week. Like this was awesome. And I was like, cool. And they haven't come to in-person events since, but they were really excited um, and they still like are super involved in all of the uh, discussions and things. So having the kid definitely, like I said, I was way into, I'm going to do this and we're going to, it's going to be great. And we're going to keep this momentum going. And then, yeah, I like checked out for maybe three months. 
Um, also cause like work got crazy and stuff. And so it was actually like, I think around August, which, you know, we started in January that Jordan reached out to me and Jordan's the one that came up to us at the March for life. And yeah, we got coffee and she was like, Oh, I'm really excited about the, like the Virginia March for life. And there's also this other thing I've been looking into. And I was like, great. Okay. So you can come on as my co-leader. We can keep each other accountable and like, let's dive back into this and keep going. And yeah, from that, this momentum has just been able to snowball. And I'm just, I'm so happy. Like looking back over the past year and looking at all the different ways that different people got involved and kind of, um, I think finally being out of a place of like insecurity for myself, because forever I was feeling like it was a personal favor to me if people showed up. Um, or like, I needed to like profusely thank people. And, uh, yeah, I've really, it's been really humbling and also really like Savannah, you're an idiot because of course, uh, you know, they're, they're valuing this. And I think to value their individual contributions is to not to view it as like, oh, this is just a favor. Um, yeah, it's just been really cool. They're all good people. And we all keep each other like now invested and involved in kind of that fire fueled, which is what we wanted from the beginning. Like we never wanted it to be like the Ackermans. Yeah, it's cool. It's cool to see what can happen when like you have a vision and then you find that so many other people share that vision and want to get involved in living that out. And and so it's not it, I never feel like I'm like have like with even with like when I'm starting conversations with somebody who's not involved, who's either not pro-life or just not involved in consistent life movement in general, or has never heard of it, it doesn't feel like proselytizing or anything. Like it, it, it feels like no, like oh, this is kind of like a common sense that I believe that it kind of sounds like you do too, and this is you know, and then when pe- when people find that out that there's like this niche that they have felt out of place with, but that they can belong to it. Uh, it kind of, yeah. People you get really excited. don't have to do much. Um, which is another point when I sent Julie and Jane out onto the street to do an event. Cause I was postpartum. Um, they apparently had people like walk by and yeah, they saw the sign, right. And it's all the end abortion and unjust war and torture and police brutality and whatever. And so they stopped and were like super fascinated. And apparently this girl was like sitting there kind of like debating, we'll say with her boyfriend over like, (laughs) yeah, the consistent life ethic and being like, no, this is actually really cool. And apparently he was the one like using the pro-choice talking points. I feel like it is a lot. Of the time. Yeah. <laughs> the boyfriend. Um, anyway, so, uh, yeah, again, it's just, like, having that stuff there. Oh, no, it's oh okay. Sorry, I'm going to have to peace out for a second. I'll be right back. So no, this is why fine. we edit, right? Yeah. We could keep no, it I, Ryan's going and being a dad. Yeah. Yeah. This is what I've been, like, loving about uh, the chapter's story is how, like, I think a lot of us uh, went to, I don't know, got actively involved in, like, social causes in, like, high school or college, you know, and then we're kind of adultized and, like, become, you know, normal working people with kids and lives and stuff and, like, still these things that we've been told, like, hey, you should care about the world and do things about it. And so then, like, now we're kind of 
figuring out how do you do how do you do activism how do you do those things that we did in college and uh, do those in regular life too and I think that's a really important lesson for our generation to learn yeah um, and so in the Savannah mentioned a, a clip that we're gonna play from the uh, from other members of Rehumanized DMV I don't know should we play that in the beginning should we play it now I don't we'll play it at some point. Hey, my name is Jordan Webster, and I've been with Rehumanize for about a year now. Hey, I'm Dave. I am 27 years old. I live in Arlington, Virginia. I'm a statistician, and I'm an atheist. I'm Shannon O'Toole. I'm 27 years old from Baltimore, Maryland. I'm a devout Catholic, and I work at a parish as a college campus minister. Hi, my name is Jane Dehita, and I am soon to be a 2022 graduate of UMBC with my bachelor's degree in social work. My name is Rena. I'm a working mom in my 30s. I have two young kids. I live with my kids and my spouse in Baltimore. I've always been wary of the mainstream pro-life approach. I honestly avoided taking any action because I was so turned off by the dehumanizing rhetoric and politicization in many of the pro-life activism communities I was familiar with. Somewhere along the way, I stumbled across Rehumanize and started casually following them on social media um, because I really appreciate the clarity of the consistent life ethic. Rehumanize brings together a lot of issues I feel strongly about around a really coherent center. The fact that no human being should be subjected to violence, full stop. I got involved with Rehumanize through Savannah, who is a dear friend of mine, and I met her back in college. Um, But when she first shared it with me, I was really intrigued by the idea of an activist group that holds the consistent life ethic. I hadn't really heard of that before, um, but as I continued to learn more about it and how Rehumanize tries to live that out in their activism, um, for human life free of violence, I was, um, I wanted to be a part of it. I wanted that to be something that I fought for. So I got involved with Rehumanize after I met Savannah in Annapolis at the Maryland March for Life, and she handed me some informational flyers about the consistent life ethic, and I was really struck. I loved getting close to a lot of different types of people who, you know, I may not otherwise have gotten to know or um, interact with, and I have a lot of respect for them. Um, I loved working with the team. I'm always so excited whenever I get to go and do something with them. I got involved in Rehumanize initially just because it was a page that was recommended to me on Instagram. Maybe someone I know shared one of their posts to their story or something. I honestly don't even remember. But it was during 2020 when there was all this horrible police brutality over the summer and Trump was up for re-election and everyone was calling him the most pro-life president ever and that just left a really bad taste in my mouth. I was really, really conflicted about who to vote for and felt so politically homeless and was genuinely wondering whether there was anyone else in this country who actually shared my political views, especially in regards to human life. Something that really hooked me with Rehumanize was that they're nonpartisan. 
I saw a huge sign outside of the Supreme Court during the Dobbs v. Jackson case that said both left and right perpetuate a holocaust and that is so true. A few years ago, I became sick of attempting to bend to either party because both of them hold views that end in the deaths of humans. There's this sad thought that like, oh, pro-lifers are just pro-birthers. They don't care about the baby after it's born. But organizations like Rehumanize show that, no, we care about them and their mothers after they're born and always, even to the point of if they commit a crime punishable by death. Non-sectarian and non-partisan means that we join hands with everyone to accomplish the goal of protecting human life. Even though I'm a devout Catholic and my views on human life are rooted in my religious beliefs, a person doesn't have to believe in God to recognize that human life is irreplaceable and should be protected at all stages. The pro-life movement has unfortunately allowed itself to look to the outsider like a religious movement, but it isn't, so it shouldn't look like that. Our argument for why abortion should be illegal cannot have an inherently religious basis, especially not as our society becomes more and more secular. I came into political awareness by learning about the institution of abortion and embryonic stem cells, uh, which starts when I was about 12. I'm sitting in my bedroom reading the U.S. Constitution, just like any other normal kid. Um, It's not that weird uh, in context because uh, I was just a ravenous reader at the time, and my dad was a lawyer. He's obsessed with history and everything, so uh, there were copies of uh, the Constitution around. Um, And there's this phrase in the Constitution. uh, It says, uh, nor may any person be deprived of life, liberty, or property without due process of law. And there's something about the boldness of those words, the inclusiveness of those words that really uh, appealed to my young mind. You know, um, I can't remember if I read the Declaration of Independence um, in the same sitting, but you know, it was probably back to back. And uh, you know, there's the same line um, about all men being created equal um, in there. Uh, so I guess not quite as inclusive, but uh, but pr- still pretty bold. Um, so anyway, I'm in my bedroom uh, reading the Constitution, and it occurs to me that we have these principles that seem to protect you against um, extrajudicial killings. And um, but I, as I'd recently learned in school um, and in conversations with my mom, uh, if you're a fetus or an embryo, you might not have that same protection. Uh, keep in mind, at the age of 12, I was closer to being a fetus or an embryo than I was to being the age that I am right now. Um, The plot twist is, the thing that a lot of people find interesting is, I did not yet buy into any kind of religion at that point, um, and, and I don't now. And then why have I stayed involved? Well, at first I was just sharing their stuff on social media and putting their stickers all over my things, but I actually got involved through the Rehumanized DMV chapter, which has allowed me to actually be more involved on the ground and meet people who care about the same issues that I do. My involvement has been relatively recent, but I've loved every minute of it and hope to be more and more involved as time goes on. Um, I know Savannah through work, and she reached out to me around the Dobbs v. Jackson case to see if I would go down with her to D.C., and since then I've gotten to meet a lot of really cool people and see more and more of the work that Rehumanize and their partner organizations do. 
Um, and the people that I've met through Rehumanize genuinely care about all human life at all stages, and they are doing real important work on the ground. They go to the marches and the protests, they write their representatives, they do sidewalk advocacy, and they live lives that build up others. So when Savannah raised the possibility of a local chapter, I finally had a clear avenue to authentically engage on issues that I care about, especially on a local level, without compromising um, all of my principles about the humanity of the people that I work with um, and moving beyond um, the polarization in our society. So a story or something special. The day that the Rehumanized DMV chapter launched was January 6th, 2021. I remember that because I was sitting on my porch in Baltimore on a Zoom call um, with Savannah and Ryan and Herb when the news broke that something was going down at the Capitol. I will never forget the contrast between the shared vision we were building of a world free of violence and the reality that was unfolding less than an hour away from my home. Uh, a story of something that has affected me. Uh, during an event against the death penalty that Rehumanize attended, I got to listen to testimonials from people who were family members of someone on death row, from people who were family members of victims of someone on death row, and people who themselves were on death row, or had been death row but later released. And each of those stories being told, those perspectives were heartbreaking and beautiful and the resounding message was that violence in response to violence is not the answer um the way i found my way to rehumanize in particular is kind of a funny story um as i said i had come to political awareness uh through pro-life issues um but i also went to a magnet school in the city uh having grown up in the suburbs and I uh, started to develop some left-of-center views on, like, anti-racism, um, immigration, that sort of thing. Um, so I have all that brewing in my, brewing in my head. Um, I'm 18. I go to college. Uh, and I am head over heels in love with this girl who is also pro-life. Uh, she goes to a Catholic college, and she's a member of a Students for Life group. And that group is going to the March for Life, um, to which I tag along. Uh, that group is also going to the Cardinal O'Connor Conference on Life, uh, which she kind of drew. Well, broke up with a girl, but uh, still believed in the movement, and I went back to that conference without her the next year, and it was that second conference where I met Amy Murphy, uh, subscribed to everything she wrote, uh, totally roped me into you know what was going on, in the uh, consistent life ethic and amy was the one who introduced me to herb herb introduced me to david david introduced me to teresa teresa introduced me to savannah and savannah is the reason why i'm still involved within the consistent life ethic i am currently most interested in fighting against the death penalty assisted suicide and abortion um, particularly because the victims of these acts are often um, people who are mentally ill or disabled, um, and that's not okay. Um, for right now, I am always interested in abortion. Abortion has been an, a topic that has been near and dear to my heart for most of my life. I started in 
uh, pro-life work when I was like 14. But I'm also extremely interested in tackling topics of ableism and how people with disabilities are treated, specifically people with like mental handicaps, etc. I am very excited to be tackling issues like those with a team as awesome as this. Currently, the topic I'm most interested in is abortion because it's the most urgent. If we don't have the baseline of protecting humans in the womb, then we don't have any other life to protect. Um, Although our biggest goal federally is obviously overturning Roe. If that happens, which I hope it will very soon, there is still an immense amount of work to be done on the ground and at the state level. I live in Maryland, so that means that we have a ton of work to do regarding abortion, and it's all going down right now. So it's like the main topic on my mind. Um, Our state legislature, which is currently in session, is preparing for Roe v. Wade to be overturned and is proposing all these really drastic abortion laws. They want to enshrine abortion in our literal constitution, and we absolutely cannot let that happen. Um, But I'm also very, very interested in ending the death penalty. Um, The death penalty is something that I was against even when I actually like didn't consider myself to be pro-life in the normal sense of that term. And I wasn't 100% sure what my stance on abortion was, but I knew that the death penalty was wrong and that it needed to, to go. I have three pen pals in prison. And while none of them are on death death row, um, rehumanizing prisoners and people who have committed crimes, no matter how terrible, is something that I feel very strongly about. I really appreciate exploring the ways in which the consistent life ethic intersects with the fight against things like ableism, sexism, classism, lack of societal support for parents, It's so important to me to identify how all these forms of violence, including state-sanctioned violence, have a common root. Violence is multidimensional and intersectional. Leaning into that reality allows us to break through the us versus them dynamic of a lot of activism. Um, And we can gain traction with individuals and groups who otherwise might not recognize our common goals. If, if you listen to that, a lot of people in there say sort of what stage in life they're in. Um, and something cool about the rehumanized chapters is that unlike a student group, which I feel like is where sort of a lot of pro-life energy goes, like the the, the most activism is happening um, at student groups or at church groups um, uh, and, and a couple other places. And I think like, that's great. It's cool. Um, but what's nice about the rehumanized chapters is that people from totally different walks of life can be involved and can be involved in whatever way they're able to be. Um, so like, uh, I think Rena was the one that mentioned that she's a working mom. Um, and as are the Ackermans are also working parents. Um, and you know that that implies a, a sort of level of commitment that might not be possible at all times, like when you're two weeks postpartum. Um, but there also are members that are students and um, people who are single professionals and sort of have more time to to take over. And so something that I thought was important when we were developing this 
this program, the, the idea to have chapters, um, was to give as much autonomy as possible to individuals who are leading the groups. Like, uh, you may have noticed Savannah often calls herself a co-leader. Um, and we tell the groups, like, hey, guys, you can elect a president if you want. You can call yourself you know, whatever, whatever you feel um, is best, you guys can have elections, you can, we can help facilitate those kind of things. Or it can be more non-hierarchical where people step up and host, you know, work to host the events that they're most interested in. And then maybe they t- take a step back if, you know, the group wants to have an event about the death penalty and, you know, their main issue, war or abortion or something like that. Um, and it's not necessarily one person who is taking the lead on everything. And I think um, I'm excited to see Rehumanized DMV sort of growing into that um, that mold of people having different interests. You know, you, you heard it. I'm just going to assume we've played it by now. Maria, play play the clip at some point, because um, I'm, I'm referencing it enough now that it has to have been played. Um but that, you know, people have different sort of main interests. And I think we find that in the wider consistent life ethic movement, too. Um, when, when you go into these spaces, it's sort of interesting that I feel like there's a lot of people who were introduced to the consistent life ethic from already having been in the pro-life movement. And then they encounter the consistent life ethic and they're like, wow, this in addition to the pro-life work I'm already doing. Um, But you sort of hear less about the people who come from the other issues, but I know them too. Like I know people like Thad Crouch, um, who I am in talks with him about setting up a rehumanized uh, chapter somewhere in Texas. Um, But, you know, he has forever been a member of Veterans for Peace and he sort of, he came into this milieu through anti-war stuff. Um, And I think it's really cool when you get to bring more people in that you eventually, like, I think you guys, the first people that join are just your friends or the people who you're like, can you please come to my meeting? We need more people here. Um, And those people are great. But eventually as you do more and you show up to more events and strangers see you and you post on social media and you are introduced and suggested for people to follow on Instagram, you find more diverse types of people who come from different backgrounds. Because I think it's easy to sort of just invite your friends. And if you you did that, it might just be Catholic moms that are involved in Rehumanize. Um, And like, that'd be great. I love Catholic moms. Nothing wrong with Catholic Catholic moms are great, but there's others. Some of my favorite type of person. (laughs) We needed our little uh, token atheist there. (laughs) That's true. Yeah, you you have at least one atheist in the group. Um, But also when I even say in the group, that is, it, it's kind of a um, not a, a total. I don't know what word I'm thinking, but um, y- you can sort of be involved in Rehumanized DMV at totally different levels. You know, like yeah. there were plenty of people who showed up to a webinar you did a while ago, um, kind of from all over the world because we uh, we are in COVID, and so. Um, you don't have to be in Rehumanized DMV to show up to all of the Rehumanized DMV events. Um, you know, like you don't know what their backgrounds were. Um, and you have, you know, a couple hundred people follow you on social media. Who knows how many of them are, you know, pro-life atheists or, or something else edgy. That'd be cool to uh, mention <laughs> in the intro video. Um, and so I think the, the most important thing is to just do it, like just start and people will join you eventually. Like it can be awkward at first when it's like, 
well, we're calling ourselves Rehumanized blank, Rehumanized DMV or Toronto or Pittsburgh or whatever. But really, it's just like these two guys that started it. Um, you know, it doesn't it doesn't feel like a real thing until people join in. But people aren't ever going to join in unless they see you doing stuff. Yeah. Yes, which is like my, I think, biggest thing is like, just don't be discouraged. And yeah, literally, we went to the Maryland March for Life. We decided super last minute that we were going to. And like, I think Herb and Sarah rushed to like get us materials in the mail. And they weren't going to come until 8 p.m. that night. So Amy like happened to be coming to D.C., stopped by like an hour beforehand, like threw us this bag on the way to the march. We're like looking through And it was literally just like Ryan and I, because my mom and siblings were supposed to come and they got COVID. So uh, yeah, it was, it was literally just the two of us. And like we said, Jordan came up Um, and then another person, I mean, Shannon talked a lot in the clip and she has just been my absolute saving grace. Um, But you know, the Maryland March for Life this year, like Shannon reached out to her very, very conservative little crowd. Um, who I had kind of judged, I think, unfairly, because the one person that I knew through that, the one time I mentioned Democrats for Life, was like, oh, no, I'm cons- I'm conservative. I'm not doing anything with them. So I'd kind of written them off. And Shannon was like, no, there's cool people. But yeah, like people that didn't know what was happening. Uh, and then she was texting me throughout the day, like, oh, so-and-so invited their friend, and so-and-so invited their friend. And so I was like, I, so you're bringing way more people than I am. And um, anyway, like one of those girls that night, signed up the volunteer stuff, like has been really excited. I still need to reach out to her, but um, yeah, literally just like showing up to things and posting on social media. Um, also, again, don't get discouraged. We put out a, a sign yeah, up I, form. Do you remember the volunteer form yeah. that like 25 people filled out and one of them ever contacted us back. So it was interesting <laughs> enough that they filled out the form, but then did nothing moving forward. But you, um, never, you never know. Just the simple act of getting an email, having an email address and having them on your list, mm-hmm. maybe they're not super available right now. Maybe they're postpartum. Yeah. You don't know. Um, or some other good reason to not be able to make it to every reunized DMV of them. Um, but you're going to have one. You'll have one speaker that they're finally inspired to come to an event. And then they come and they meet you and they're like, oh no, I also really like hanging out with all of these cool people. Now I have to be involved. I can't just follow on Instagram and like them. Um, Because I know for me, it's like, I would love if my involvement in activism was just like sharing on my Instagram story. (laughs) um, Love the infographics. Uh, That I feel like I would be a much more calm person and I, my life would be more together if I wasn't like obsessed and doing this stuff 24 seven. But the real reason that I'm able to keep going with it is the people, you know, like I fully believe in the mission and I fully care about all of it. Um, But if I showed up to these things and everyone in the consistent life ethic movement was like, boring or not nice and just like not fun to be around it would be a lot harder to justify spending the amount of time that I do um because because I get to hang out with people who have these correct ideas about human life and human rights and human dignity and also I can have a good time as we are struggling together for these issues um it makes it so that it's not 
it's not a chore to do activism. It's something that you want to do. Um, and sometimes it's a chore. Like sometimes it just sucks when you're just coloring in signs for hours and hours and you're not having fun anymore because you've been doing it too long and you committed to making too many signs for the March for Life. But now you have all these signs that are outlined and it's like, well, you have to color them in because then it was a waste of the outlining. Um, it's like, there's plenty of things that are chores within activism. Um, but you can do things like holding a sign making party with your chapter um, that makes it a little less horrible to do this work. Yeah. And, I, and I, I mean, the key to any movement is, is, is relationships and relationship building and then building those relationships into a community. And because like, once you have a community, like really anything's possible from there. Like, like if, if, you know, we're, we're l- lucky in that we're not international. We're just in the little DMV area. So we have a concentrated kind of mission area of where, you know, we are trying to build community. Um, but when you, when you, when you have those relationships with people who are, who know, you know, their area and their area's needs, you, you really see the, the transformation like ha- happen in like a real concrete way, which is, just, it's really cool. It's really, really cool. Yeah. And I think, I think that's, that's the reason we started these chapters, you know, like I, yeah. I always said like the work that we have done for the past 10 years, we talked a little bit about this on our 10 year anniversary episode, um, but the work that Rehumanize has done for the past 10 years that Amy Murphy started and all of these different people throughout the years have been involved in doing I think was just laying the groundwork for the future. And that future is these chapters. Um, you know, like we've done it, we've written the material that needs to be written that expresses the, you know, the arguments and the apologetics. Um, and ultimately, you know, me and Amy Murphy physically can't just travel around to every single community and tell the people those things in in the communities. Um, and also if we did, it wouldn't be as effective as people in those communities sharing that, that message. Um, and so I think that it, it's so exciting to see people stepping up and caring about these issues, you know, it's they're, they're all still international and issues that, that are at the national level. Um, and so it can be easy to just think that I need to talk to everyone or talk at everyone at the same time. Um, but that's so much less effective than being able to do that kind of one-on-one communication that you can only do if you're local and you're in front of someone. But even within that, like, right, and it's been funny because... I don't want to say having to educate people, but there's definitely been like, oh no, that's not legal here, guys, or that is legal here, yeah. guys, or this is that law, actually, <laughs> um, which is good because it's kind of forced us to know it better. But, um, you know, like right after we started the chapter, the death penalty got outlawed in Virginia. So yeah. it was like, okay, guess we don't, we're only doing that on the federal level now. Yeah, yeah you should take credit um, for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. It was we opened the new one stage like a month later the job team yeah I'm gonna start it was telling 100 percent <laughs> you had like made the um, facebook page and that was it and it's like okay work done <laughs> that did it um yeah i mean again i think there's so much that can be said and at the same time like i yeah it, it's just it's exciting um seeing everybody get involved in their different areas and um get more activated and again, have that community because Herb forwarded me an email at like 1130 last night. 
that legislative stuff needed to be sent in today. So if we were going to submit testimony, and so I sent it on to two people who sent it on to more people. And then, you know, we've been talking about it throughout the day. And um, or like after Dobbs, Shannon kept Googling and Googling and Googling, trying to find articles we were mentioned in. So like she would send them to me, um, which I did not have the time nor the energy to do. Or again, after Dobbs, because Shannon and I had gotten up at 6 a.m. to get on a train and um, we're just exhausted at the end of the day, right? But we just so happen to be going on the same train back as Jordan. And I, in the waiting area, she was sitting just chatting up this guy. And then we get on the train and she continues to talk to the guy about like all, like having a pro-life discussion. And he wasn't pro-life, but they had like for the entire like 30 minute train ride. And Shannon and I were just sitting there like several seats ahead of them, like, this is happening right now and go her, but also like, how, like, how does she have that energy still? <laughs> um, yeah. And again, I, I've been so activated recently and I think both of us have been as we're kind of looking at the next steps of like, there's people willing to now lead the discussions and like looking into connecting with other organizations and uh, looking into local aid, like things that we can do more of. And so yeah, and moving, yeah. like, more from, like, being a just, like, oh, building community and going to protests into, okay, how can we make actual change, like, me measurable change in our communities by investing in a different, like, like, local resources, but also being knowledgeable about those resources so that when you are approached by somebody who needs help, you know where, where you're going to send them, you know, eventually we would like, you know, luckily we have people on staff who are trained in social, not on staff, we have people involved, I should say, who are trained in social work. So, like, you kind of ha can have those those tools to not just be a um, advocacy group, but also an agent of change. Like, And that's what I keep saying, too, is, like, I mean, yeah, we're kind of looking at, right, like, what are what do we really want like our tenants to be? And one that continuously comes up is like, yeah, investing in local stuff, like yeah. putting our money where our mouth is. And so I was thinking about it the other day and it's literally like, yeah, like one of, um, one of the women is doing a field placement at a women's center. Like Shannon said, she has pen pals in prison. Um, you know, Rena and I organize, um, like a lot of fundraisers and things through our jobs and uh, yeah, like educate the next generation and why you should care about other human beings. And so, oh, and another one of our members uh, just got elected to be on the board for a local mom for mother or local home for mothers in crisis. So that's a new development. That's pretty exciting, but yeah, like really doing it like being on the ground i love the like uh little activism workshop that we're having so other people can make their own chapters one thing that uh you said earlier that i thought was wise as well was like don't think of it as like asking your friends favors think of it as you know they're like these are these are people who are in invested in it too like let give them give them stuff to do like if they uh want to help and uh, that's yeah i think that's always a really big leap for me always to do mentally as well to decide okay can you do this thing because it would help me out rather than be like hey these are values that we share and like here's something that you can do to advance those values you know yeah well and that awkwardness is uh, oh sorry no you go ahead 
the, I was going to say that awkwardness, that tension is taken to the nth degree once money's involved. And once the, once the step becomes not just like, oh, do you want to get involved or like, like how can, like, can you contribute to this cause? And that, you know, I know for a lot of people, for me, um, it took me a long time to get over that hunch of just talking about money in general with anybody, let alone asking somebody for, to like fundraise. Um, and you, and you, you can't, at, you can't look at it as in like, can I, am I that I need to ask this person to do me this huge favor or to go out of their way or to, to, to hurt themselves in some way to help me. Like it's no, it's, it's, this person believes in this vision. Like I, like that I believe in, we, we share their same vision. They want to contribute to that vision in a way I'm helping that not like, Oh, I, I'm helping them by them giving me money, but like I'm helping them, you know, become, you know, part of the, that, of that, the movement that they want to be a part of. Yeah. No, yeah. That, that's and I real. think, that, sorry, please go on. That's fine. <laughs> I think that's the thing is like, you're, I don't want to say vessel, but like kind of that bridge, right? It's like, this is not about you. Um, and that helps because definitely there's been times for me. I'm like, I was in the New York times. Like I am hot stuff. Um, but no, it's like ultimately about the message. Right. And again, listening to these little interviews and all of them being like, Oh, well this is because of Savannah or this other thing is because of Savannah. Like part of me is like, ha ha. And the other part of me, um, and Jordan mentioned this, plug for our Instagram um, when we spoke at the meetup for the March for Life that Rehumanized did. Um, but her whole point was like, yeah, Savannah, like, talk to me, has, you know, helped me, like, get more activated, like, helped me to find this really great thing in my life. And, like, that's the power of what one person can do. And And that's really, like, looking at it again, like, it's not about me or any of these individual people. Um, it really is, like, just acting within your sphere and uh, again, within your talents, if yeah. you know, yeah, no, it is, it is cool. Um, we were watching the um, uh, making of the Eternals, the MCU uh, movie uh, yesterday. And they were saying that like, that's one of the most, they were saying uh, one of the actresses, was saying like almost like how stupidly diverse it was. Like it was like you never see this like crazy. Like just people this very dis different races, abilities, kind of backgrounds. Uh and that's really ages and that's really what like it's it's been a really cool group and subgroups to be see growing of people from every single like like yeah, sorry, I'm I've become getting tongue tied. It's just that uh, it, there's there's a place for everybody to contribute, and there's a place for everyone, everybody to belong, and and um, it's not it's not because oh we're also awesome, it's because we're united by this truth of like you know every human being deserves respect, and at the at the bare minimum, let alone you know to be free from violence, and so when you have a community that's based on that. Um, really only good things can happen. It's, it's, it's cool. Well, and I was going to say, uh, the last discussion that we were able to have was our most attended discussion, which is again, like after this year, it's like, Oh my gosh, there are people that like actually believe in this. <laughs> um, 
But yeah, so our most attended discussion and afterwards, like two or three of the people texted me and were like, oh my gosh, thank you so much for like letting me be involved and whatever. And it's like, no, (laughs) thank you. You know, like we're here and it's authentically a part of the community. It's not, um, it's not like a club, you know, like, it's not like, oh, we let you into the secret back room. It's like, no, you belong. You're here. Like, and it was funny. Herb was on that call, but a lot of us were like, we feel almost ashamed that we did not know enough about this. Um, and yeah, like, again, not letting it be from that place of shame, but just letting it be from, okay, we're all here to educate ourselves. We're all here to grow. We're all here to look at in our local communities. What can we be doing? Um, particularly that one was uh, dismantling Islamophobia on the local level, or like, we have a lot of people who are very interested in the environment. So one time I was like, all right, this is how we're going to work it into the consistent life ethic. Uh, let's do like the environmental impact of war and really looked at, okay, along the Chesapeake Bay, like what has that impact been? So it's still within this and it's like, all right, you love this thing. Let's look at it through this lens. <laughs> um, which is funny because I have one woman I work with so frequently and she is all about sustainability. I've had her come in and give talks to my elementary schoolers about yeah, just all of the like not using plastic and meatless meals and da da da. And the one time I tried to talk to her, I was like, okay, so you know the military is like the biggest polluter. You know, I'm I'm planting that seed slowly, mm-hmm. but it's very much like it's closed off. No, I mean I think that's how uh, people end up changing is because I mean a lot of these things aren't necessarily like deeply held beliefs. They're just the the kind of like generally held social opinion that provides the least resistance, you know? And so if it's something that you're not personally confronted with, you're just gonna be like, well, I'm going to believe the thing that like doesn't cause me problems, you know, around the water cooler or I don't know on the zoom meeting. (laughs) So, Uh, and, and yeah. And uh, uh, so like, once you're presented with alternative information that says like, Oh, Hey, you care about this other thing. Like, do you know that this thing affects this other thing that you care about? And you should uh, also care about this. By the way, (laughs) by the way, just sneaking this in here. Well, it's, and it's interesting how easy it can, it's, it's interesting how easy it can be when like just on the simple like principle that it's, you know, we're arguing something that's, that's true, you know, like, like it's, it's, it, it makes it like, it's not in a religious sense. Um, or even, yeah, I guess kind of a scientific sense, but not really even a scientific sense of just like there, there is this truth that everybody I think inherently holds that we should be good to other people and that other people have value and we have value or just even down to, I have value. And like, like because that is true, like you can kind of win any any argument because it all comes down to what's what's true. It's like if you're in a in a debate over mathematics, in the end, one side's going to be true because one of them is true, whether or not the other person accepts that truth. Yeah. <laughs> um, which, yeah, something that I always mention and didn't get mentioned little interview things, but as I was just reviewing it, I really want to say is that human rights are nonpartisan and the fact that we politicize them is not okay. Cause 
I think the political aspect, right, comes in and how to respond to these injustices. But the very fact that we like, yeah, make it a party lines for injustice is like so problematic. And so um, when you said the thing about the water cooler, like I keep saying, I feel like I'm becoming Brita on community. And if you haven't seen the show, basically like the joke is just that she's a total buzzkill all the time and just constantly like, well, what about this war that's going on, you guys? And like, also she doesn't do anything about it. So at least I'm a step better in that. But like, yeah, literally all the time now I'm like biting my tongue about like, that's a human rights abuse. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I get bummed out whenever the Olympics are on now. How does it, that sucks. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to, yeah. But yeah, and I'll also just say that, you know, it, I, I think when you get involved to the level that we are, it does sort of consume your life and consume your thinking. And it becomes hard to, like Ryan saying, like, engage with any media because, you know, it's all it's all problematic. I saw one post on Instagram that I feel so bad about. Um, I'm not going to name her, I guess. But uh, th- this woman who works for Students for Life um, and she's great. She's a great pro-life activist. She recently went to Disney World. I think she might be there now. Um, and I saw, you know, she she was posting pictures of herself, like, with, with Mickey Mouse, whatever. Um, and I noticed the post had so many comments. And so I clicked on them because I'm, you know, I like drama. And it's like a hundred comments yelling at her because Disney is pro-abortion and anti-family. Um, and I'm just like, oh, you can't, you can't live like this. And she, and this uh, she, uh, she was in the comments like, oh yeah, no, I, I actually didn't realize that. And now I'm, uh, I'm learning. Um, and yeah, no, I, I really don't feel good about this, but, and I was like, Julie, it's okay. Like, yeah. yes, the world is bad, but you cannot let yourself get obsessed with it. Like there, what, 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 what a, there's no ethical consumption under capitalism. Yeah, I was, I, I was gonna say that. I was, I was, ve- I, I, my opinion, like I was vegan for a while. I think vegans are right. Technically. <laughs> Correct. But at the same time, is like, where am I going to draw the line? Like, I, these pants were probably sewn by some kid in like a you know, third world country, and like, I like at some uh, there, like there, there is no exactly, there's no ethical consumption. So that like, you have to do what you can in your sphere. But <laughs> yeah, no ethical consumption within the consistent life ethic. (laughs) Um, Two points on that, because I just want to drop all the pop culture stuff. You know, that's what I keep saying with like, you know, there's the good place. And the whole thing in that was there's this point system, right? Like your good actions, your bad actions. And to spoil it a little bit, it's been out for a while now. But, you know, it comes out that no one's gotten into heaven for 500 years because it's become so difficult to live ethically because, you know, you got this apple, but it was da-da-da-da-da through this and this and this and, you know, um, yeah, so it just, it becomes, yeah, it, it, it's so hard. Um, well, it, it becomes like almost like paralytic, like paralytic where like you're can like, because of the internet and because you're, everyone is so connected to everything going on everywhere. Like it, it makes it yeah. seem like you can't do anything. So why even bother? And that's why like the work that we get to do and the work Rehumanize does, um, but especially on the local level is so important because it is, it's, 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 it is, it is just as cathartic as just screaming out into the void, but it's actually doing something. You're doing too. something productive. Yeah. Two points on that. Um, 
shoot. I'm forgetting about it. Uh, one is like, yeah, one of the last conversations we had was, uh, between me and two of the other, like leaders, members, group, people, staff, whatever you want to call them. Because honestly, I don't, my people, that's what I keep. Yeah. Yeah. Our little, our little community. Um, anyway, we were having this conversation and yeah, just talk, they were saying like how, yeah, how devastating and kind of deep it can get. Um, and they use the term black pill, which I still am not quite hip enough to understand, but you know, it just basically is like all of the darkness, let's say. And so that's one of the things that I said there. It's like, but looking at the positive ways that you can invest or like, okay, yes, this system is crappy, but like, what can we do or how can we change our conversations or change our viewpoints on it? Or again, work in our little sphere. My mom self-help tip is always, um, and I mean, I follow all these pages in my personal accounts, but if you're having issues, I think with that, like mental disconnect or just being really overwhelmed with the state of the entire world, like create a different, you know, Facebook, Instagram, whatever, Twitter account that just follows all of those, you know, things. One, because it becomes really intentional and then really focused to be able to like, just like for us, it's the rehumanized Twitter. And so it's all of um, like those accounts and just being able to see like, okay, what's everybody else doing? What are things that we can get involved in? Um, I forgot the other point I had with that. So That'll just be what we say. Uh, don't let don't let the darkness consume you. I assume was that's the, the I, yeah. Um, always the moral. Oh, and that's this is another thing I was gonna say is like with the consumption of media, right? I think if we start to actively participate, um, yeah, you can start to see these uh, threads, these themes over and over again. But like recently, Ryan and I were watching the Star Wars Clone Wars TV show. Which so fun, but literally the 2008 TV show, not the 2003 TV show. Okay, does that matter? Yeah. It does. Okay, so anyway, um, me for the first time, and as we're going through it, I was like, "Oh, that's that's like a thing against ableism, and that's like a thing against war, and that's like, you know." And like Ryan and I would talk about it, and I kept joking. I'm like, "We should do like a deep dive on the consistent life ethic within the Clone Wars series." But again, like even just being able to bring that into our family life and talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll also say with this, this idea that, you know, this, this work can consume you. um, It it doesn't also have to, like, I think for a lot of people, they, they see the level of committed that we may be and they'll be like, Oh, I don't even want to get started because I don't want to, I don't want to end up like that. Um, (laughs) which is sad. Um, but you know, it's not just us. There are plenty of people who I know who really they show up for the rehumanized conference once a year. Um, and they're still happy to be involved in the community, or maybe they're a a monthly donor and they give $10 a month. Um, and, and that's their involvement or they share our posts on Instagram. You know, there's a totally different levels of involvement that you can have based on where you are in life and what your capacity is at any given moment. Um, but also like just what your interests are. I think my favorite example, I don't know if you guys know this about me. Um, the listeners definitely don't. I like love clowns. Um, I'm super against people who are scared of clowns. Like I'm like, why are you afraid? They're just there to spark joy. Like I love clowns. I think they're so fun. Um, and so I love clown type activity. Um, like uh, 
not in like the pejorative way when people on the internet are like clown emoji, but like real clown type activities. Um, and within the span of like two weeks, I saw two different um, like clown clowning things being used for um, for like the pro-life movement. Um, one was that uh, Maria Oswald, our uh, creative director who is editing this podcast right now or in the past, if you're listening, depends on where you are or if you're Maria, um, but... Maria uh, was involved in uh, a baby save outside an abortion clinic in Atlanta. Um, and she was telling us this story about, um, you know, as, as uh, we, we frequently do when there's, you know, a woman who decides not to get an abortion, thanks to the presence of the peaceful sidewalk uh, counselors, um, we'll throw a baby shower for them. And so Maria was involved in throwing a baby shower um, and one guy showed up who I believe like wasn't really involved in pro-life stuff generally, um, but he got invited to come um, and he was like, you know, I'm really good at making balloon animals and I can do magic tricks. And so at this baby shower, you know, it's a baby shower. So there's a bunch of little kids. He comes and his total involvement in the pro-life movement, maybe for that entire year, was that he was making balloon animals and doing magic tricks because that's a skill that he has. Um, and then the other story was that when we were outside the Supreme Court um, on the actual anniversary of Roe, so the day after the March for Life, um, there was a big pro-abortion rally. Um, well, and actually, it wasn't that big. It was like 50 people. Uh, but there was a pro-abortion rally, and there wasn't really a pro-life presence. Um, the, the pro-life presence was like me, Teresa Bukovinak, Caroline Smith with Protect Life Michigan, and then like a couple people from Protect Life Michigan that she was able to bring, um, like students. And so it was kind of, it, it, and, and a few other people were there, um, but there was not really a big pro-life um, response to it because, you know, we no one really had heard about the event until the last minute. And we just happened to still be in DC because we were at the pro-life summit. So we showed up, but anyway, there's this like pro-abortion thing and we're, you know, we're counter demonstrating, we're promoting the pro-life perspective um, and walking by are, is this group of students from out of town who were there for the March for Life. They belong to some some Catholic school, some Catholic high school. Um, and they come by and they start juggling. Like they, they, they first, they, they sing, um, I think a hymn like Ave Maria or something sort of giving, sort of helping out the, the small amount of pro-life protesters to just sort of, you know, say, Hey, we're on your side. We're glad that you're representing the unborn. Um, and you know, they, they sing a hymn, which is like a cool addition to the, the pro-life counter protest. Um, but they happen to be on like the juggling team at their school. Like the school has a prolific juggling team I, I, I was so obsessed with it um and they just like so is a to this protest where you know we're we're being doing the pro-life thing we're chanting our you know our chants um they start juggling and it just adds this wave of joy to the pro-lifers like what is going on like this is so fun now that you could see the people on the other side were like i wish they were on our side you know what i mean like, <laughs> Uh, kind of getting mad that there is this joyous celebration of life right across from where they're trying to celebrate death and celebrate abortion, um, that this was the group, thank God for abortion. Um, and they had all of these, you know, pro-abortion um, signs that we know are celebrating death. And we have like the most pro-life in the the kind of like most literal sense of just like enjoying life 
demonstration next to them. Um, and I was just like, th- those two things happened like right back to back. And I was like, wow, like there needs to be more clowns in the pro-life movement. <laughs> clown skills like juggling and like um, magic tricks and balloon animals that you can do. So like, that's just one example of like, you're someone who is a clown or you're someone who can, has, is good at skateboarding and can do cool tricks. You can figure out a way to do any sort of activity that you already like doing or whatever skill you have. And like some skills, like being a good writer and communicator, like they can be more useful to the consistent life ethic movement than maybe (laughs) juggling is. Um, But even if you're not good at one of those kind of typical like sign making or, you know, uh, the types of things we're looking for in our activists, you can still use your skills to help the movement in some way, even if it's just showing up to a baby shower and entertaining the kids. Or like Savannah said, being the dad who watches the kids during the meeting, like all of these things um, are, are productive. And it feels like, you know, you're not standing on a street corner with a sign. So it doesn't feel as important. But through that work, you're enabling the other people to do the outreach that maybe is not in your skill set. And so I always just want to stress, like, just do something, do some little thing. Don't just sit on the sidelines and, you know, like the post on Instagram. If, If the brave thing you need to do today is share it on your Instagram story, like, that is a good step if that's your first step. If that's the only thing you do, I'm going to start being mad at you, but it's a good first step. Amen. Amen. No, definitely. <laughs> I remember, like, when I first when I first moved out on my own, I had a lot of spare time, and I like, and it, this was pre, obviously, very pre pandemic. But it was the same kind of problem pandemic where it was just like, oh, like if I don't have a reason, I'm not going to leave a house for this week, you know. A protest is always a good reason. Just find a protest that, like, like near, do something. Like, like, just if it's if, if for nothing else, for a reason to get outside. Also, Ryan likes being antagonistic. So I also like, like being antagonistic. So. Maybe that's not your thing, but um, <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's that's another point that we haven't talked about that I think does need to be talked about, right? Whether you're looking at activism in general or just chapters, is we did this during 2021, like somehow. Yeah. Um, when I saw a lot of groups just really not doing much and obviously, yeah, a lot of it was online or, you know, outside finding ways to do things, but yeah, the fact that I think we've been, we have yet to have an indoor event of any kind. It's all been virtual or outside. Yes, because, okay. So story time too. Um, Shannon talks about, right. That like, I had just happened to text her about Dobbs. Um, I don't even remember how I knew she was going, but I, Yeah. Shannon and I had hung out and gotten coffee like maybe once we kind of knew each other from work, but like had been at like one event like two years ago. Right. Um, so yeah, I texted her and I was like, Hey, you live a lot closer to DC than I do. Can I just like spend the night on your couch? And I got there and she was leaving for like a prayer hour and her roommate was there who, again, I kind of knew through work, but really hadn't hung out with. And, um, I was like, okay, I'm really hoping she's going to want to sleep. And she was apparently hoping I was really going to want to sleep. And instead we stayed up for like three hours talking and like connected so much. And, um, she has now gone and I mean, she was doing this beforehand. Like it's not through my influence, but she bought consistent life ethic info cards from rehumanize again, another plug. Um, and like has them in her classroom for students if they want one, like 
anyway, but yeah. And so she was helping me with the last minute additions to the signs. And we were like, oh my gosh, we should have a sign making party. And then around the time we were going to do that, she got COVID. Um, but yeah, like Shannon and uh, her roommate have, were just such lifeblood for me, I think too. Ryan, Ryan can talk to that. Like definitely I came home and I was like, I met these two awesome women and I have friends again. <laughs> um. Oh man. Yeah. Just go do the things and find people that are involved in different ways. Another, just talking about future, I think projects, like something that literally like has kind of come to not fruition, but like the first start of it this week is, uh, David like wants to write music, which at first I was very hesitant about because typically when people are really excited about writing music particularly if they've never heard like anything you've done before they tend not to be great it creates an awkward situation so I was very like I don't know and then at the rehumanized game night um we found out that there's a lot of musical talent and rehumanized DMV for the record if you weren't there it was it was so exciting for all of us I think to be like oh my gosh like not only we are all in this group but like we all have this shared talent and so we started joking like what if our like outreach became just going to like karaoke bars or open mics and like wearing consistent life ethic t-shirts and passing out stuff if people want it. And like, that's our thing. Um, I will also say my voice sounds like a dying cat. Not everybody's a musical and you're going to say It's not a prerequisite to be involved. There's, there's I thought you were about to say that you guys are going to form a band. And I'm so <laughs> excited. Yeah, so, um, no, but Please anyway, don't rehumanize DMV to like do a band, but well, it's 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 rehumanized DMV would not create a band. Rehumanized DMV would be a scene in which a band sprung forth, or like okay. that's just part of us. Part of me just wants to be like the rehumanized DMV band. It's like a, one <laughs> no, of the I'm vetoing that right now. <laughs> like we'll still have rehumanized DMV, but it's like that's the thing. Um, that's one of the things that we do. Uh, no, but anyway, like. David sent me some stuff. We've been able to kind of go back and forth, like, and that's the first time I've written music since I was 22 and, you know, got broken up with, with a boy. So like, that's again, like finding that passion and that fire. And it's a, it's a way again, to not be bogged down. Like it's something creative. It's an output that you're able to do. So again, the fact that other people have now been involved in these other areas so that I'm able to have time to actually dedicate to that stuff. And I'm not just constantly, Hey, you know, yeah, it's amazing how much work gets done without us even being known that the work's getting done. <laughs> like, uh, yes and no. Yes and no, <laughs> no, no, but like, just like, I don't know. Our first, we were really lucky that at the first protest we went to, we ran into somebody who is still involved to this day. Um, but yeah. since that moment, we've always had support, and it's always never been just us. Uh, yeah. Feeling too much. If we get overwhelmed with something, there's always somebody who's there to support. And I want to loop back to, I know there's kind of a lot of loops in this conversation, but like, you know, Herb, to your point about like people at different states in their life, even talking about, right, like um, some of the people who were involved at the beginning are kind of a phased in and out, like somebody's husband got super sick, like super sick. And so like how to take a step back, you know, Jane frequently talks about, um, like she so wants to be at events, but she's a student. And so like, that's just, the schedule's not there because she's also working. Um, yeah. Those of us who have kids twice now, um, 
somebody was going to come to an event, was really excited about it. And their parent went into the hospital that day. Um, so yeah, it's, again, it's where community is really important, but also like, if this is not a time, like that's okay. Um, and also if you're going through it and you're in the midst of it, like know that you are not alone and <sighs> it's rough. It's a rough life out there, man. That's why we need good things like this. <laughs> good. Um, okay. We are at about an hour of recording, so I think we should close up soon. I do just want to ask um, one, one thing to share with someone who has been listening to this conversation and who has kind of been like, uh, I would, I, you know what, you know what I actually always hear? I wish there was a rehumanized chapter in my city, but I don't want to start it. Um, that is the, the number one thing I hear from the people who I'm like pushing to start a rehumanized chapter that, oh, well, I would show up if someone else did it. Um, what would you say to that person? Because those are the type of people who listen to my podcast and I want to publicly shame right now if they are listening and they still haven't started a rehumanized chapter. What would you say to that person? Probably don't publicly shame them. I'll just do that. You can be I would say, I would say, okay, if, 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 you know, you got so much going on right now and it's not up to you to, you know, start a movement or start a, not even start a movement is to, 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 do something that you don't want to do or don't feel like you have time to do, find the person to do it. It would be my recommendation is if, okay, if you, you know, want to start a group of people to go to protests, start going to protests and bringing somebody until somebody else can organize it for you. Um, and you don't have to do it anymore, <laughs> but uh, it doesn't have to be a long-term commitment. Uh, but I, I mean, I think it, it, it's kind of a joke, but like, like, it does all have to do with like do whatever you're doing now and contribute in that way. Um, yeah. I would say kind of examine the reason why you don't want to, right? Like obviously you see a need within your community or you're excited about this. So what is that thing that's stopping you? And then for me, and it's it's just kind of in general in life, like all the work that I do, like it's not going to be worth it unless you really think about the people that it's impacting, right? Like the second that you're just doing something for the sake of it and not thinking about like, yeah, the individual people that you are helping, right? When we start to look at the statistics instead of like those in prison who are being put in solitary confinement or, you know, the thousands of children that are dying each day like that's, that's when it's like, okay, this is not for me. It's for something outside of me. Um, and for me kind of continuously on top of that, uh, it has been like, I don't want my kids to have to be fighting the same battle. You know, they're going to probably be fighting versions of these different battles, but like, yeah. And also something that Ryan brought up was like, how cool is it going to be for our kids to one day look back and be like, well, my parents were like at that protest, like they were the ones involved. So if nothing else, so that your kids will think you're cool. Like, <laughs> that's the reason. Yeah. I, I would just, I would add to that. Like, um, I completely lost my train of thought, so I won't, I'm not going to add to that. Yeah. <laughs> well, that is a sign that we have been recording too long. <laughs> Definitely. Where can we find rehumanized DMV on social media? Yeah, plug your stuff. Plug your stuff. Plug upcoming. I think events. it's all at Rehumanized DMV. 
So it's pretty pretty easy to find. I think it's on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Yes. And we're in the process of maybe starting a TikTok, but that means that the girl who's going to do that is on it. So stay tuned. We'll see. If you want to run a rehumanized DMV TikTok. (laughs) (laughs) And that's something I want to say too. (laughs) Even if you're not in the DMV area, like you are always welcome, you know, join our little discussions, do whatever. And if anyone is interested in getting the dirty details and the horror stories, but also glory stories of starting a chapter, feel free to reach out. We got them. Yeah. Or email us at rehumanizedmb at gmail.com. Um, that's you can it. join our newsletter on any of our social media if you want to get involved. Yep. And you can also donate to us so that we can keep doing this. That would be nice. Yeah, donate through the regular Reunize website now to hopefully future. JMV we don't need to say that. Area. Just donate to us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if, you, if you go on rehumanizeintl.org slash donate, um, when you go to donate to Rehumanize International, there's an option, there's a drop down bar, and you can say chapters and outreach, and then you can type in to Rehumanize DMV. Um, so if you're interested in becoming a monthly sustainer for Rehumanize DMV, uh, they will take it. Right now, no one is pulling a salary at Rehumanize DMV, so it's all going to go to things like buying signs and outreach materials and a megaphone. Um, did you guys get a megaphone yet? Not yet. And okay. bringing in speakers. And that's one of the big things. Yeah, people for their labor outside the organization. Um, that's the that's the real thing you need to be fundraising for because they don't even have a megaphone yet. They go to all these protests and they have to borrow my megaphone or someone else's. We lose our voice yeah. at, after every protest, and they it's do. getting Donate. ridiculous a now. Like fifty bucks max. Um, so um, right important important note though. There, if you want to do a monthly toner, you then have to email Sarah and CC Herb <laughs> and probably us saying. The monthly stuff you want it to go to rehumanize dmv because once you click that make this a monthly donation it wipes out all the other information so fun facts we're looking to make it less complicated <laughs> yeah i think we do we do actually it's, i think sarah emails someone if they if she sees a new one going to chapters and um that's good all right thanks guys for your time your energy good night fellas